This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, November 3rd. Coming up, U.S. Representative Sharice Davids of Wyandotte and Johnson Counties has a new district and a challenger in Republican Amanda Adkins. Plus, Missouri voters will decide next week whether to legalize recreational marijuana, but not everyone who supports legal weed supports the ballot measure. You can be fined for public consumption. They create an arbitrary possession limit. They actually create a constitutional misdemeanor if you exceed their possession limit of three ounces. We'll have more on that and the other referendums on Missouri's ballot. But first, some headlines. A Joplin hospital may be the first in the country to be investigated for failing to provide an emergency abortion. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. Freeman Hospital West is being investigated for violating the Federal Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act, according to the Missouri Independent. That's the law that says hospitals must provide emergency abortions when necessary, even in states like Missouri with strict bans in place. The case involves a woman whose water broke early in August and was told her pregnancy wasn't viable. The hospital refused to let doctors perform an abortion. She eventually sought medical help at a clinic in Illinois. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly and lawmakers attended a groundbreaking ceremony for the new Panasonic battery plant in DeSoto yesterday. KCUR's Zach Perez reports Panasonic is expected to begin hiring next spring. The new facility is expected to bring over 4,000 new jobs and $4 billion to Kansas, making it the largest economic investment in state history. Kansas lured the company to the state through $830 million in incentives. Kelly says that the facility will bring more economic development to Kansas. This project will be transformative for DeSoto, the region, and the entire state of Kansas. It will make Kansas a global leader in electric vehicle battery production. Democratic U.S. Representative Sharice Davids of Kansas is running for re-election to Congress, promising to protect abortion rights. Republican challenger Amanda Adkins is blaming the incumbent for inflation. And KCUR's Frank Morris reports Joe Biden and Sam Brownback play a role in each of those arguments. It's hard to escape inflation or Republican Amanda Adkins blaming Joe Biden and Sharice Davids for the cost of gas and groceries. 40-year highs in inflation, people are suffering. And that is all due to the bad policies on the part of President Joe Biden and Sharice Davids has voted for it 100% of the time. In a recent Kansas City PBS debate, Adkins painted Davids as a Biden lackey, an accomplice in policies driving runaway inflation. It's a national Republican strategy. Chris votes with Biden 100% of the time. The D.C. Tim Chris Ryan votes with Biden Pelosi 100%. Slotkin voted Biden's party line 100% of the time. Biden's approval ratings hover in the low 40s. Emporia State political science professor Michael Smith says, naturally, Republicans want to talk about him. Sharice Davids often supports President Biden's priorities. On the other hand, the implication that that's why the U.S., recently experienced a spike in inflation is a much more dubious claim. Inflation is spiking globally, not just in the U.S., so it's a stretch to blame it all on Biden or David's. But David's did back Biden's nearly $2 trillion pandemic stimulus package that flooded money into the economy. Many economists suspect it's been driving inflation. But the federal package also brought hundreds of millions of federal dollars to the Kansas 3rd District, an area that covers most of the Kansas side of the Kansas City metro south of I-70. 
David's boasts of delivering a tsunami of federal money into the district during a pandemic and economic downturn. Meanwhile, she describes Adkins in ominous terms. You know, she has aligned herself with very extreme politicians who are looking to decimate Social Security and Medicare, uh, supports a total ban on abortion with no exceptions, not for rape or incest. Adkins' campaign website says that she believes that life begins at conception and should be protected from then on. She supported a Kansas constitutional amendment that would have cleared the way for a ban on abortion that failed overwhelmingly in a statewide vote in August field hardest in the district she's running to represent. Atkins says she accepts that vote. She says abortion law should be left to states, not Congress, to decide. David's attack on Atkins over abortion rights reflects a national democratic strategy. But she has a local twist. Former Governor Sam Brownback. She was a senior aide to Sam Brownback as he decimated our state's budget, destroyed our public education system, and downgraded our credit rating as a state. Brownback's tax cuts triggered a budget crisis and huge cuts to schools and state services. Adkins wasn't in Brownback's administration. She was a Cerner Corporation executive for 15 years and a Republican staffer on Capitol Hill before that. But she ran Brownback's 2004 U.S. Senate campaign and chaired the Kansas Republican Party. Here's Michael Smith again. She's a political operative and a very good fundraiser. And she was party chair during a substantial portion of Brownback's run for governor and time in office, and she was a major supporter and major fundraiser for him. Adkins lost to Davis two years ago, but the boundaries of the congressional district for that race are gone. Kansas lawmakers stripped off the most reliably Democratic part of it, northern Wyandotte County, and swapped in rural, think Republican, Franklin and Anderson counties, plus the half of Miami County that wasn't included in the last election. It turned the district from the most racially diverse district in Kansas to now the whitest, the least racially diverse district in Kansas. Patrick Miller, political science professor at the University of Kansas, says the gerrymander was aimed at making re-election harder for Davids. But it also created one of the country's better educated, more upwardly mobile congressional districts, kind of place where Democrats have been gaining strength. Johnson County has changed incredibly as that once safely Republican suburbanite has gotten more Democratic and probably in 2020 was a straight ticket Democratic voter. And it's really where that voter is this year. And we don't have a good gauge that's going to decide this. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. On November 8th, Missouri residents will vote on five ballot measures, including one that would legalize recreational marijuana. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg breaks down the different measures that will appear on the ballot. Of the five measures that voters will decide on, three of them are brought to the ballot by the state legislature, one is required by Missouri's Constitution, and the other made it through the state's initiative petition process. Amendment 1 centers around the state's Treasury Department, asking whether the Treasurer's Office should be able to invest in municipal bonds. If passed, it would also allow for the legislature to expand what the Treasurer's Office should invest in. Any change would have to be passed by the legislature, approved by the governor, and then further approved by the Treasurer's Office. If voters approve Amendment 4, the state would be able to force Kansas City to increase the funding for its police department. The amendment authorizes a law passed by the state legislature this past session that aims at raising the minimum amount Kansas City must allocate to its police department. Amendment 5, the last of the legislature-passed amendments, would separate the Missouri National Guard into its own department. Currently, it's under the state's Department of Public Safety. 
Voters will also have to decide whether they want the state to assemble a convention to revise or amend the state's constitution. Per the state's constitution, this question is required to appear on the ballot every 20 years. However, on election night, most attention is going to be on Amendment 3. If passed, recreational use of marijuana would be legal in the state, but some marijuana legalization advocates have multiple reasons as to why they are not in support of the amendment. It it makes everybody think, okay, this is going to work and we're going to have cannabis and it's going to be for everybody. Let's go. Um, And that's not actually the case. That's Democratic Representative Ashley Bland Manlove. During the past state legislative session, Manlove was a co-sponsor of a bill that would have legalized the recreational use of marijuana. However, the 76-page bill did not pass, nor did any other legislation that would have legalized marijuana beyond the medical use that is already allowed in Missouri. This means that either voters could choose to pass this amendment or wait and see if the legislature passes a bill in future sessions. John Payne, campaign manager for Legal Missouri 2022, says he believes the legislature should have legalized marijuana already. I don't think it's likely that they're going to come and uh, pass something that's in any way as comprehensive as what or anything at all, frankly, uh, for the foreseeable future. Payne says the legalization of marijuana would cause fewer arrests and free up more resources for law enforcement. However, there are limitations, including how much marijuana someone could possess at one time. For non-medical marijuana patients, the limit would be three ounces, while medical patients would be able to possess up to six. Additionally, fines could still be issued for smoking in public. Ethan Thampy, a lobbyist who is against Amendment 3, says because of the penalties, this isn't truly legalizing the use of marijuana. All these elements are to me, they're not legalization. In fact, the creation of constitutional uh, use and possession penalties um, are explicitly very contrary to the idea of legalization. Payne says other states that have legalized the adult use of marijuana also have some form of possession limits because it is still a federally prohibited substance. The amendment also makes changes regarding the expungement of charges. Someone currently on probation or parole for certain marijuana law violations would see their sentence automatically vacated and later expunged from their record. Additionally, anyone incarcerated for certain marijuana offenses would be able to petition the court to vacate the sentence, as well as be immediately released from incarceration and their records expunged. Payne says the expungement provisions within the amendment is a reason why voters should approve of it. That's going to affect hundreds of thousands of Missourians with nonviolent marijuana offenses, uh, allowing them to you know, have, a, have a fresh start. But the MP says there are logistical and practical issues with requiring the circuit courts to implement these new expungement measures. What happens if we get six down, months down the road? The circuit courts are in a, a mess of wading through tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of criminal records, and that's clogging up other more urgent issues in our court system. Allowing Missourians to use recreational marijuana is only part of the amendment. It also makes changes to the cannabis industry on an economic basis. Under the amendment, Payne says a minimum of 144 new licenses would be issued. But critics say that it's the existing businesses that already have licenses to sell medical marijuana that are going to benefit the most from the new system. Plan Manlove says because black and brown people have historically been the most negatively impacted by the war on drugs, any initiative or law that legalizes marijuana should have programs that specifically aid the same populations. She calls the amendment's micro-license program, which Payne says gives opportunities to groups who have had prior difficulty breaking into the industry, a kid's meal. So there's no vertical movement. There's no room for growth. While Legal Missouri 2022 alone has spent millions in its campaign to convince voters to approve of Amendment 3, the amendment's success isn't a guarantee. Recent polls have been mixed. Both Payne and Thampy are confident their respective side will win on November 8th. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can stay up to date with all our election coverage, including Frank's story on District 3 in Kansas and Missouri's ballot measures at kcur.org elections. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.